Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. You only call me when you've been drinking or in the middle of the night. I'm gonna give in and I'm gonna pick up every single time. Talk about it, cry it out, and see it's better off this way. Call me bitter, but I don't really think it's better off this way. It's just something people say. I'm gonna text you for no good reason Just to watch you burn me down Way too much history, so many memories Everywhere I look I see we're all over this town
Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was X's by Drew Smith. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you both doing? Hello. Hello, um, Nicole. Hello. And, and hello, and hello, Greg. <laughs> hello, Carl. Yeah, I like that song. You know what? Again, great country voice. You know, you know, and I like the fact that he started the chorus with ooh, like a ooze. I miss ooze. Not a lot of ooze these days. <laughs> Not right? a lot of ooze, ooze or ahs. This sounds rather different to me, which I think that when when you're talking about male country, that's, right. that's a really good thing, actually. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the time that the Tennessean, which was a local newspaper here before sure. it got purchased by a big conglomerate, but back in the 90s, it was funny. They ran, I'll never forget, they ran in the entertainment section a picture that was like a composite of all the new country stars it was as if they made it to look this way, but in fact, they didn't. Every single star had a black hat on, a cowboy hat, and there were like, <laughs> like eight of them. Like they morphed into one. And, and what, what was funny about it was that, you know, I was, I was working in the industry at that time, as were a lot of other people, and none of us could name all these new artists. You know, it's like, gosh, they're all the same and we can't even differentiate them. And we're supposedly the people that are making this music and putting it in the marketplace. It was really tragic in the 90s. I relate to that. I, I think I told the story where I was up in um, Maine. I was touring up New England and stuff playing back in the 90s. So I'm walking down the street. I have my long black coat, my jeans, my work boots, right? Flannel shirt, little turtleneck, right? I'm wearing like these cool gloves. I have my gig bag on my back and my ponytail. And I'm walking down the street like thinking I'm like, you know, who I am. Across the street, I see a guy walking the other way. Long black coat, gig bag, ponytail, gloves, (laughs) black boots, jeans, turtleneck. It's like the uniform. I was wearing the uniform. That's hilarious. So what I did, I literally, that week, I went and cut my hair. I said, you know what? I don't want to be the uniform. Like, but I had, I had, but I had like the cool singer songwriter '90s vibe uniform, and I thought I was you know unique. I go, this call across the street walking towards well, me. Well, there was a, yeah, there was a period of time in the '90s where if you were selling black cowboy hats from Resistall or from Stetson, that was you it. were in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> You were making a lot of money that year, right? Can I tell you so. something I, I, I just noticed for some reason? It's such a ridiculous, obvious observation. Go on. Why do we like when to sing words that rhyme? Why, why is rhyming so pleasant to hear? Like when a, then to, to, that ends the phrase with a rhyme. Why is that so appealing? And when words don't rhyme, it doesn't sing as well. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm not sure it's the rhyming, but I think it's the rhyming. It's the yeah, flow maybe, maybe too, it is, but, but flow, I think we listen the... ahead of the lyric. So when it rhymes, and when it's the perfect choice of of word, and it rhymes, right? It's like a little psychological bonus, you know. Is so it because it's like it, it's like it closes? I don't want to be today. I don't want to go that way. It's just something about when the words. I don't know why. Yeah, just no. I I, I, I just noticed like why did that become a thing? It's like punctuating the thought, you know. And it's like it's uh, it's uh, it is pleasurable to listen to. That's for sure. So so, I, so anyway, because I'm I'm hey, kind of uh, a nut, speaking I'm of, a nut uh, about rhymes. Uh, Speaking of writers and lyricists, and um, I just got word uh, a day or two ago that someone that I worked with in the 90s uh, has passed away, and I wanted to give them a shout out. He was a very accomplished writer, super cool guy, very intelligent, just a pleasure to be around. His name was 
Peter McCann. He wrote several hits. He had several hits back in the late 70s, which was, of course, the halcyon days of like pop country type acts. Uh-huh. I guess his biggest hit was a song called Right Time of the Night for Jennifer Warnes. And um, he wrote this oh, yeah, song so called sure. Do You Want to Make Love, which was never one of my favorites, but it was a big hit. Yeah, I know uh, that in 1977. Sure. So Peter was just a, a wonderful guy. And I just happened to be rolling through some posts on Facebook and a mutual friend said, RIP Peter. I didn't even know that he'd passed away, but just wanted well, to give sad. him a shout out on this. So he was a wonderful guy. I hadn't talked to him in probably 30 years, but uh, right. he was he was a pleasure to be around and uh, a talented guy. It's one of the things I like about working with songwriters and working with creatives and working with people that are in music because the music is in fact immortal so you know regardless whether you've been gone 40 years or 100 years or you know you passed away last week we have your beethoven man (laughs) exactly exactly you know it's funny it's funny you say that because i decided with me i decided i want to become someone who's a pleasure to be around We'll let you know how that's working out, Carl. I'm trying to, but that's my new goal. I want to say that, Carl. I that get will a, ruin the podcast. Because in my like, because in my epitaph, you're gonna go. Hey, you know, Carl, a friend of mine passed away. He was such a pain in the ass. <laughs> but I loved him, right? Right? right so I right. want to change it to he was such a pleasure to be around. Well, to add to what Greg is saying, did you guys see that Barrett Strong from like the Motown days passed away this week too? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, and and it's like you don't, that's not a household name, but if you go back and listen to the tracks Mm -hmm. that he he both wrote and recorded, it's astounding. Yeah. Heard it through the grapevine. Duh. It's pretty crazy. I know. Yeah. Um, But one of the things Carl and I were discussing right before the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction uh, list came out probably about a couple hours before recording this. So... Figured we could talk a little bit about that because I know do they, Carl do they and I, put people do they put people like Willie Nelson on there for on purpose to get people complaining? Don't or, know wh- why. What exactly? Why, why is that complaining? That? Well, yeah, why is Willie Nelson a complaint? He deserves to be there. Oh, we are talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, correct? Oh, because he's not rock and roll. Is that what you mean? He ain't rock and roll. Well, neither is Missy Elliott or Sheryl Crow. Or the spinner. The spinners. That's what here. my question is: is do they put these people on there on purpose? To get word of mouth and get people complaining about how idiotic it is. I guess they've established the fact that rock and roll has expanded as to what that is. You know, it's just an attitude. It's not just a certain genre of music. I have never been there, so I, I shouldn't talk. Maybe it, maybe it's a great experience, but man, the way this thing seems to be run is just really odd. I will say the mo- the one that strikes me the most out of place is Missy Elliott. I remember back in like the early 2000s, she broke into that industry. She made really amazing and kind of like new and new wave music videos with the different types of rap that she was doing. And I think she was very influential for that time period. But I don't feel like she's like, been out there long enough to make that list to be on it with like a Willie Nelson of sorts or like a Kate Bush like you said Carl where she's been nominated a bunch but because of her thing in Stranger Things that that's what kind of put her over the edge all I want to know is so suspect where's Pat where's Pat Boone (laughs) (laughs) why no why no Pat Boone well you know he made a heavy 
a heavier rock kind of almost heavy metal record back in the 2000s 2010 2012 something like that it was absolutely pandering and and foolish I mean, he literally had like black leather and like dog collar and stuff. Right, right, right. It's, it's like, it's insane. Like a, what a joke, right? It's so it's like funny. Like, you don't even understand the genre enough to dress him <laughs> inappropriately, you know? <laughs> I'll tell you, but getting back to all this nostalgic stuff, yeah. kind of. So the other night, I was, I had nothing to watch. I watched a little of the Get Back Again, right? So I was just watching the Beatles. And I've yep. changed my mind about it, you know, with my new <laughs> mentality. I don't hate it at all. You know what it made me see? I don't know if you do this, but I think the world, a lot of people in general, they idolize the Beatles. They're, they're bigger than life, right? They were just four guys. There's one part where I, I never noticed it before where when George quit and they're sitting around and Lennon's saying, well, you know, what are we going to do, guys? I see McCartney's eyes get teary as if, like, he was realizing at that moment the Beatles might be over. His favorite thing is going to be done. It's like something they're breaking up, you know, and... And he got sad, and Ringo got sad. It's like, these were just four young guys. And maybe they were cocky, and maybe on, on some level they knew they were a big deal and all that stuff, but still there were moments when they were just insecure, you know, not feeling their... You know, even Lennon that talks about it, towards the end of his life, he wasn't pertinent anymore, and like, he, the, the new people, new music people were coming in and overshadowing him, and he was the 60s, and that bothered him, you know, and like, I don't know. We're all just people. It is a fascinating film that's for sure i'm surprised too that um george michael this is the first time he's nominated i would think he would have been here a while already no no george michael it wasn't the first time he was nominated um the first nominees were missy elliott and the white stripes they said that i'm looking at the list you know it says first time nominee george michael oh sorry i'm looking at the first year of eligibility was missy elliott and those in it too which kind of is cool warren zevon who is he Warren Zevon to me is, is the guy is like who didn't get absolute his absolute genius. Yeah, he didn't yeah. get his due. He was in like that David Geffen nineteen seventies L.A. He was in that rock singer songwriter kind of Jackson thing. Brown, oh. the Eagles, yeah, yeah. Linda Ronstadt, all Neil Young. He was in all that, but he didn't see us and why. But he didn't seem to make it as big as any of them. He but was like culturally just absolutely brilliant. Right. He, uh, you know, he, he had that and, one and song. He lucked out with a couple of hits. It's on uh, on kind of AOR radio. Yeah, the yeah, werewolves of London. Oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. everyone thought he was a goof, but he was really edgy. It's kind of and then a he, novelty song, right? And then he yeah. died of a brain tumor like about ten years ago. Oh, like that. that stinks. Yeah, he was friends with big time friends with uh, Letterman. Uh, Letterman, yeah. Right, he those, used to be on Letterman. Those are sh- those shows are amazing, by the way. Right, but yeah, he was uh, Warren Zevon was. I mean, he deserves. Every accolade ever given. There was one great song. It to be the great song is <laughs> "Send Lawyers, Guns, and Money." The shit is lawyers, the f- guns, and money. <laughs> the, the shit, shit is hit the fan. My favorite Warren Zevon. My favorite Warren Zevon song is uh, is this really weird thing called "Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner." It's a really yeah. I think I've heard that right. Song. Yeah, he was he, yeah, he, yeah. He, he was kind of an amazing. Yeah, I guess you know who am I to judge this, but. I guess I try to discern with my own whatever, but I was watching the Kate Bush video of running up that hill. And if you ask me, it seems like Kate Bush was always trying in everything she did to create art. 
She wasn't just yep. creating commerce. She wanted to be artistic yep. in every aspect of what she did with her career. And yep. so did Peter Gabriel. So did the Beatles towards the end. After like the I Want to Hold Your Hand days, when they got into Revolver, they just said, we're going to make art, guys. Who cares what the radio... And it just so happens that they played it because they were the Beatles, but it was artsy. It was kind of bizarre, a lot of that stuff. But I'm the walrus. Come on, man. You know, but... Yeah. So... Today, I think too many people are just out making commerce. They just want to make money. I, even Taylor Swift, I don't think she's, you know, she's making commerce slightly art, but it's more commerce geared. It's not truly 100% art. Again, who am I to discern that? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in her mind, she's doing that. To me, I'm not getting that. That's what I'm not getting. So well, what, I think, what, what too, think, I mean... I, I said before that I think you're right in terms of artists are chasing commerce or they're chasing the next biggest thing that's going to help them either get to that aspirational record label or the next viral the, thing. The next viral thing. Right. And I think that that takes away from truly being able just to create the art that may be pushing the envelope that gets them to that place. So. Yeah, because to me, viral, really, you can't try to be viral. You just create something and it goes viral by magic because it. It does. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I've always been attracted to the people that didn't really care whether or not they sold records or not. Right. (laughs) By the way, I'm I'm doing a game. I'm playing out. Did I tell you that? I heard. Actually, not from you, but from your co-person. March 16th, I'm going to play at the Bitter End again. Mm -hmm. First time in probably 14 years I've played out. Wow. Long time. uh, It's going to be fun. Carl, could we manage to get some professional, high quality uh, video of this performance? That would be amazing. Yeah, I think we will. So, yeah, we'll get some video. Anyway, we have some more music from Drew, do we not? We do. We have another single from him called The Truth. But before we listen to his single, The Truth, why don't we hear from his PR company, which is Core PR? This episode features an artist from Core Public Relations. Core Public Relations is a Los Angeles and Nashville-based public relations and marketing firm. They represent clients working in entertainment, health and wellness, politics, and fashion. With social media strategies, as well as tried and true public relations tactics, they consistently deliver powerful and effective campaigns to ensure client success. To learn more, go to corepr.com. That is K-O-R-E-P-R.com. Should've never cried, I should've never lied That night in Jackson I should've come clean, told you everything Instead of all this acting Like who I wanna be Instead of who I really am It's hard to be open, baby I'm broken I was terrified If you'd have ever known You'd have been gone Before the next sunrise You were so put together And even my mess is a hard mess So what chance did I have? Cause I've broken every commandment How could you ever love that? Guess I didn't understand Even love 
singer man this this could be huge right he has that perfect voice right it's like it has that countryness to it but it has but the, it's got the also rasp like, and the honest it's, yeah it's got like that rough rasp that he can like get into but like not necessarily breaks his voice because that can happen a lot like trying is he, to ri- is he writing these songs yeah kind of rem- reminiscent of sam hunt and i said at the beginning that it's different in my opinion, Sam Hunt completely changed country music when he changed up the phrasing and he was actually kind of bringing some like pop sensibilities to the choruses and a little rappy here and there. And I think this guy's different in other ways, mm-hmm. but uh, I think he could get some attention on that's radio. A, that's a lot sure. from you, man. Actually, that's, I know, that's especially from the country side of it. Right. Cause you're yeah, the- I know. I, I haven't heard much that I like in recent decades <laughs> well and i knew when core pr sent him over he was going to be the one yep. that surprised you because i know you and country yep. have a love-hate relationship love-hate relationship <laughs> well correct. we did correct. speak to drew correct we did he answered our questions of the week oh cool so the first question that we asked him is to tell us a little bit about himself I grew up just south of nashville kind of between nashville and muscle shoals alabama so Growing up between two music meccas, you were bound to pick something up, I guess. Started playing guitar around 10, and when I was about 12, I started writing things down. I was always just fascinated that people were were out there somewhere crafting these songs that you hear on the radio and on records. So I really put a lot of focus on that in my teens and then into my 20s and moved to Nashville and then in 
2010, signed my first publishing deal and started writing full time. I've been doing that ever since. There you go. Yeah. He's living the dream. Did you notice he said records? Right. <laughs> yeah, this guy not really vinyl. is. But again, it's funny how like, it's the story. It's like, you know, like how the same story can have so many different endings. I know. You know, it's all the same story. I got the guitar at nine. And again, around 11, I, I, I wanted to stop making up songs and, and writing words down and like making up little things because I, I figured I don't want to play. I want to do my own stuff. You know, I don't know why, but that's what I wanted to do. So yeah, it's weird. How like how they had like so many people in different eras at different ages in different places have the same yearning, you know? Yeah. What I mean? It's it's bizarre. I love it. That's awesome. Shows you we're all connected in, in that in kind of some way. way yeah. Right. All right. So the next question that we asked him is, what music artists have inspired your career so far? I've been inspired by a ton of different artists: Steve Earle, Tom Petty, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, Foster and Lloyd, The Eagles, Merle Haggard, Don Williams. Love Dolly Parton, Guns N' Roses, a lot of the early 90s, that Seattle grunge era. I really love that stuff as well. So it's it's really been a little bit of everything, all the way down to the folk guys like, you know, Towns Van Zant and John Prine. Yeah, I get all those. I, 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 it's funny. Yeah, it's the first time... Uh, Foster and Lloyd have been <laughs> right. yeah. I think it's the first program. time Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. All, all that stuff is fantastic. You know uh, Bill Lloyd from Foster and Lloyd? Uh, we're ex-roommates, right? right. So when I first moved to Nashville, Bill and I had an apartment on 16th Avenue, 1507 16th Avenue. So funny. You know, Bill and I met, we worked for a record distributor for... You know, we were kind of moonlighting. He was trying to get his career off the ground, and I wanted to be in the business side of things. And he left the, uh, it was called a one-stop. They basically uh, distributed records throughout the Southeast uh, to retail establishments and others, DJs. They had a DJ pool. But, uh, yeah, uh, Bill is a fantastic guy. He's been a friend of mine for, what, going on 40 years? See, I don't think think our listeners realize the depth and wealth of experience that Greg has that part of our show. They think we're just three guys. Greg is like, (laughs) no, Greg is like... Intensely oh, entrenched. No, man, you like flatter me. It's true. Like I don't talk about it much because you know I don't want to sound like that guy, that that old guy that's like stuff was better back in the day. No, but no, but but you are that guy in the yeah. sense that you've been at, yeah. you've been through all these experiences and know and, so many avenues and aspects of this industry and you from have all stories different and sizes. connections that like enlighten like, people to see kind of behind the scenes and like, what you really know, happened. You know, when we talk about knowing Nashville and the business, you know it more than probably anyone or as well as anyone out there. Not even you, know I it, think but I you know lived a particular it. Yeah. lived it, right. Here, right. I, I know a particular period of it. You know, I mean, he mentioned most of the people that he mentioned uh as his influences i have met through the years you ever see the movie um the monty python movie the life of brian yeah it's about yes. it's about the guy who lived in the manger next door to christ yeah so he witnessed all the stuff but he, he <laughs> that's who i was like i played at cb's in the <laughs> 70s you know when the ramones the talking heads and these guys all played there yeah. i'm like the yeah. life of brian i was uh, hanging out but i didn't do it i didn't get there i was i was at max's kansas city back in when the new york dolls yep. were there and andy warhol and but that's the experience we bring but, to this podcast uh, velvet underground predates you being in the scene right yeah yeah i'm, I'm not that old <laughs> that's like 
that's uh that's late 60s anyway we asked uh we asked drew our new favorite question according to greg so what is one service not offered right now in the music industry that indie music artists need i don't know you know i think we have just about all the tools i mean they're out there somewhere whether it be you know youtube or or just a quick google search you can find out just about anything you need to know and figure out how to do it you know you learn how to mix and how to record and how to write better and how to perform better drum lessons guitar lessons anything that you want to learn how to play it's all out there uh, so i'm not sure you know and there's there's even in-depth tutorials about distribution for indie artists and publishing for indie artists so i you know I, I think just about all of it is out there i like drew a lot i like him a lot yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna be uh i'm gonna be watching i'm gonna be a fan right a real artist like well, the a, real the real yeah. deal yeah and I will definitely send the podcast over to my daughter, who seems to be kind of a artist whisperer. She's <laughs> always, she's two years ahead on anything that I hear out of Nashville. So, you know, I, I love that. So, like, if you know about it, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll see what she has to say about Drew. I think she'll like it. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Do you think it's about time to get on out of this episode? Yeah, I think this was a kind get of. I think this was a pretty nice episode. What do you think? I think it was our best one so far this year. Carl, I think that you sound so much more like a pleasure to be around. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Get us out of here. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. For everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the number is 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. Mm-hmm.